Welcome to the St. Emlyn's Podcast. I'm Ian Beardsall. And I'm Simon Colley. And in this edition of the podcast, we're delighted to introduce to you a new project that we've been working on at St. Emlyn's entitled the St. Emlyn's Lesson Plans. Now, this is all in the light of what's been happening with coronavirus and how we think teaching may have to evolve over the next few months and years to take into account social distancing. It's become a bit of a challenge, really, Simon, hasn't it? It has. And I think at the beginning of the pandemic, we just basically converted everything over to we've got to teach about coronavirus, we've got to teach about coronavirus, which was fair enough and the right sort of thing. But we're now seeing uh, patients come back into the department in greater numbers with what they always had. And we can't just not teach about the rest of medicine. We have to cover all aspects. And gosh, it's not that far off, Ian, is it, until we're going to have a new group of people coming through the departments who require induction into the wonderful world of emergency medicine. And of course, induction happens every few months in the UK. So this is a programme which we hope you'll be able to use throughout the year for different groups coming to your department. Now, what we've tried to do is think about how we can deliver education in a socially distanced world. Currently, things are changing seemingly every day about how close we're allowed to be to each other. But actually, what we can do is take this to our advantage. These lesson plans, we want to try and incorporate some of the theories we've been talking about for years things like the flipped classroom and asynchronous learning and blended learning, and also some of the educational theories we've been discussing, and bring it into one session, concentrating on one topic where we can try and deliver some knowledge using not just the expertise in the room with a facilitator, and that remains really important, but also a lot of the FOMED resources, not just at St. Emlyn's, but Arkem Learning, Recess Room, worldwide, there's so much content there, and these will help use some of that to our advantage and make sure that our learners can get the very best teaching that we can deliver. Now, Simon, you're the educationalist of the two of us, really. Can you tell us a bit about Miller's Pyramid, Miller's Triangle? Because we've tried to use that within these lesson plans. Okay, so Miller's Pyramid, um, people will know, or hopefully may have come across in the past, is this idea that in order to show competence, there are a number of stages. So the first is that you know something about you know, a fact. So I know that there is a thing called a chest drain. It goes into the chest and it drains stuff. Um, knows how is a sort of slightly higher level. So that would be that you may have experienced or been taught how the actual process of putting one in is. Showing is the higher level again, which is where you would actually sort of maybe demonstrate on a part task trainer or something like that. And then does is it actually doing it in clinical practice and getting feedback. It's taken to a, a, a next stage, which is Miller's prism, which he didn't actually originally describe, um, which is the knowledge, the skills and the attitudes which underpin the knows, knows how, shows and does. So using that theory, what we've put together are lesson plans which start with a learning objective. And some of this is taken from educational theory that's used in schools and colleges and other places to really define what it is that we're going to deliver in that session. And with that objective, we're also setting the scene. So we want our learners to be able to imagine the situation in which they're going to be able to use the things we're about to talk about. Once we've set that scene, As Simon says, we need to underpin all that with some knowledge. And this is where the flipped classroom idea comes in. So the flipped classroom, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this idea that students, learners get some knowledge before they go into a session in order to build on that knowledge when they're in the session. Now, I'm not sure about your experience, Simon, but many of our learners are just too busy with other stuff to do that before the session. So what we've suggested is that you actually put some time aside in this teaching session to allow the learners to access that online FOMED learning. So they'll be either at home 
or they'll be in a socially distanced seminar teaching room and they will be able to go through those recommended resources for the first half or so of the session. Now, for some, they may think, well, hang on, that's not teaching. That's not you talking to me. But this is a way in which we can really use these resources and make sure that our learners have the time to get to them. Simon, do you think that's going to be something that students are going to be able to do? Or do you think they're going to think that this is just a bit of a cop out for this first half of the lesson? Well, there'll be a range of behaviours. There'll there'll always be people who um, take this sort of thing very seriously and engage with it. There'll be people who you'll have to encourage is probably the best word I would suggest. If you're going to ask people to do education, then you can't just sort of expect them to do it in their own free time. It is part of the job. We're doing it there to make them better doctors, clinicians, ACPs, nurses, whatever, in our departments. It's, it's, it's core. And personally, my view is it should be as part of their timetable. You've got this lesson set up, this session. You've got about an hour and you set the scene and then you just let your learners, your, I struggle with those words, but let's say keep with learners. It's an OK word, isn't it? We know what that means. And you give them time to go off. And usually there's two tasks in a lesson plan, usually with contrasting delivery. So one might be a blog post that you might read and another might be a podcast to listen to or it might be a lecture to watch. But in total, that should last about half an hour for the first bit of the lesson. So once your learners have been given that time to to get that knowledge, to really take their own time, work at their own pace, concentrate on the gaps that they've got, then you come into the classroom time in this session. And this is the key bit, because this is the bit where we can build on what our learners have just taken on board. Now, this can be delivered in person, but what we're imagining in Southampton is that Some of it will be delivered to a small group in person, but you can open this up. You do not have to be in the same room to do this. Now, many of us over the last few months have been getting very used to using online tools for meetings, Teams, Google Classroom, that sort of thing. And this will use those sort of tools as well. And actually, we've got so many doctors now who need to be in a teaching session that with social distancing, we cannot, we do not have rooms big enough to do that. So we're going to actually have to have groups in separate rooms, even if they're all in the hospital. But what we can then do is we can use whichever of those interfaces you are most familiar with, whether it's a Microsoft Teams or a Zoom or whatever you have for the facilitator to build on the knowledge that they have just taken in. Now, in the lesson plan, we've given some cases that are there for discussion. And they're all easy to do. You can see them. They've got the stuff you need. They've got the answers. But what we'd really like is not just for that, but for you to bring your facilitator's experience and the learner's experience into that classroom. So ask them before the session. We're going to be talking about whatever it might be, toxicology. We'll have everything there for you. But just think about a time when you were managing a patient with a paracetamol overdose, and we can use that time to discuss it. So in that task, we're building on that knowledge. They'll have the opportunity to ask questions. We can use the interfaces we've talked about. And dare I say, this doesn't need to be limited to just your hospital. So if across your region, you're doing regional teaching, we have this tradition of people having to trek miles to get to a central place. And we will talk in a moment about the social interaction of teaching, because that is important. But let's say you've just finished a twilight shift and you just can't face driving to get to the area where the teaching's done. But you know what? You probably can with your pajamas, go and sit in front of your computer, do a bit of reading and then listen in to a Zoom meeting. 
we should be able to get our learners to be able to attend more teaching sessions and to be there, whether virtually or in person, a lot more often. Simon, can you see that working? Can you see how you might make that work in Manchester? I can. I think it needs careful thought. When you're teaching online and you're using Zoom meetings or MS Teams or whatever platform it is that you're interested in, you have to remember that it's not the same as doing a face-to-face session. So there are a range of other skills that you need to sort of engage with. You're, you're talking about, and it's in, absolutely incredibly important, is the interactive elements of, of teaching. Doing that online, there's sometimes a temptation for people to just give a lecture. Nobody wants to watch somebody else just talking at them for sort of 30 minutes or discussing a case. If you're going to do this as an educator or a participant, what you need to do is have regular stops, conversations, chats, questions, interruptions, use the chat room functions on the on these various different platforms, use the Q&A functions so that you, you really have really almost never more than five minutes worth of one person talking. And the rest of the time is really focused on trying to replace the energy that you get from being in the same place at the same time. And so, to, again, to put a bit of you know theory behind this sort of thing, um, a guy who I often quote is Marshall McLuhan, who wrote the book, The Media is the Massage. And what that essentially says is that when you change the format of something, the message changes. So the book is never the same as the film, is never the same as the play, is never the same as, as the video game. For this, it means we've changed the medium. We're now doing it online, which means the message will change, but also that you need to adapt your teaching styles. So just have a little bit of a think about that. But the word that's got to happen in your head all the time is make it interactive, make it interactive. We know that learners, some learners, prefer what we could describe as passive learning. They prefer to sit there and be talked to because, well, frankly, it's easier, isn't it? You just sit there and you hope that this osmosis will happen into your brain. However, we also know that if we truly want our learners to take on knowledge, they need to actively participate. So active learning is harder because it takes a lot more effort. The energy of the facilitators here will be key, making sure that they're engaged, interacting, intrigued by what you're talking about is absolutely necessary within all of this. So you still have to bring the best version of yourself if you're a facilitator, as if you were standing in front of the room. And most of the time, you probably will have some people in front of you if you're doing it within the hospital. But also, you might be teaching yourself distantly on a Zoom or whatever call. As Simon says, you need to practice this. But this is the way that these things are going to evolve. So this task, as we call task three, is the key part of the lesson where you have that interaction. And that should take probably about 15 or 20 minutes. So we've had the knowledge acquisition, tasks one and two, self-directed learning, but done in time that we've given to the students. We've then got task three, which is interactive. And then we just want to pull this all together. So there's a section of time for a summary. And each lesson plan has a different variation on the summary. So sometimes it's just some bullet points to try and remind you the key facts that you needed to take out of that session. Sometimes it might be a couple of multiple choice questions. It could be really anything to bring together what you've done in that session. And again, the facilitator's key here to really nail down whatever those three key learning points might be that you really want your class to take away from this lesson. I know I'm talking as if this is school, but schools aren't necessarily bad places to take our examples from. And actually, as doctors, learning from teachers is a good idea. You've got the summary and you round it all off. And then, Simon, the last key bit for all of this is what we've called task five, which is reflection. 
So you've done the session, everything's happened, they've taken their knowledge, they've had the discussion, you've done a summary. How would you recommend that they should best reflect on that to try and get the most out of this? What would be your recommendation? Most of the people will have some form of portfolio, so they may well have a guided reflection within that. Um, And if that's the case and you're going to be using the portfolio, then I would follow that format. But essentially, what I'd like people to do is to take, obviously reflect on what they've learned. And so this is new knowledge. And I think a lot of people will find that relatively easy. But I then want them to think about how that's going to change their practice, either reinforcing what they already do because they now know more about it, or actually making a physical change to what they do. And that's what I'd like them to do at the end of the lesson. I think it would also be valuable for them to maybe go back later on once they've seen patients that may be relevant. So so they subsequently see a DKA patient. And then when they reflect on those cases to then put this learning into context there. But I think having some form of record at the end is important. Putting it in the portfolios is important. It logs it, makes you think about it, makes you formulate it, do it. Another key part for us is getting engagement. And one of the reasons why our learners might want to engage is each of these lessons is linked to the UK RCHEM curriculum. If you need to demonstrate that you have done some learning about this, then a reflection placed in your e-portfolio against that curriculum item will be absolutely what you need to say, I've done a session on this, and then pop the reflection in and make it substantial. But by substantial, I don't mean reams and reams, a few lines, a few pay, you know, just how you feel about it, what it made you think about. And also we'd encourage you to go and talk to the rest of the class, to your colleagues about what you've learned. They may not have been in the room. Some of them may have not even been able to attend. So go off and talk to them about it. All in all, what we hope you've got is using some of those theories a basis of knowledge that you've taken from some excellent resources, a discussion, rounded it all off, reflected on it. And then hopefully what we're really doing is making sure that we are imparting the knowledge our doctors, um, ACPs and all the other staff in the emergency department need to go and care for patients better. Now, where would you find all of these? We're going to make them very obvious on the St. Emlyn site. And they're all open access and all of the articles or podcasts or videos that we're choosing are all, by definition, open access. So none of this is behind a paywall. You'll easily be able to click onto the site and I'd encourage you to go and have a look at the site whenever you can to see what it is that we've done. Currently, we've got three sections. We've got the induction section, we've got the SHO section and we've got the HST section. Now, just to go through those, induction is the word we use in the UK for new starters. So there's about 15 currently lesson plans under there that cover all of the main topics that we'd like our clinical staff to know about. A lot of those could be used as SHO teaching sessions. Now, SHO, Simon, I can hear you cringing already. You and I both know what we mean by SHO. Forgive me, but what to you is an SHO? So SHOs for us would be something which is taken away about 10 years ago. But since you go to persist with it, because everybody else does, it's somebody who's in their first year, I guess of um, practice in emergency medicine. Also relevant to anybody else who's starting their practice in emergency medicine. So just getting to grips with the the major topics and getting an idea about how we think differently and how we practice differently in emergency medicine. So if you're in the States, that could be your intern type level. That's where we're looking for for that. HST stands for higher specialist trainees. And these are our doctors who have chosen emergency medicine as a career and are going to build on that knowledge and work towards becoming consultants, attendings, aiming for that. So those lesson plans are a higher level. And what we're doing with those is not just knowledge, but really wanting people to think more deeply about the subjects. 
So you click on the lesson plan link that's on the homepage of St. Enlund. It will take you to this page and you'll be able to select each of those plans as and when you need them and simply pass that link on to your class, your learners for that session, and they should be able to access it no problem. Now, what will they need? So everybody's going to need an internet enabled device and hopefully your trust will have some Wi-Fi that will support this. They'll need to bring that with them to the teaching session and be able to sit there with either a phone, iPad, laptop, whatever it may be, so that they can use that device to listen to the podcast, read the blog post and look at the lesson plan itself. They probably need something to write with so they can take some notes if that's the way that they find that their learning is best uh, embedded. And that's about it. That's all you're going to need to use these lesson plans in your teaching sessions at hospital. Now, we're going to be trying to build on these over the next few weeks and months. So we'd love to have input from you. If you write a lesson plan or you want to contribute, many hands make light work. And this is very much a crowdsourced educational project. And so if you'd like to join us, then do. We'd love to hear about your experiences with them. And we'd love to hear how they're working and whether or not they're working for you and what we could do to make them better. We're really excited about this. We hope that this will really help bring all of those theories we've talked about for so many years into our teaching. I think it's important to say that in context, what we're doing here is bringing a lot of resources together from different places. I know you mentioned at this beginning, but I think it's it's quite important. There is some great stuff out there, but sometimes people need a little bit of a roadmap to navigate through. How do I use all of this stuff which is available um, online? And how how do I bring that together into something which is coherent, which takes me through a journey which is reflective, which talks about clinical cases as examples, but also has the theory. So I see this very much as almost like we're, we're taking people down a road and every so often we'll stop off and give them a, a, a small learning experience. So maybe a blog or a podcast or um, a case, and then they keep going. And then they get to the end, they do the reflection. That mapping and that road mapping for learners is something which certainly in our experience in the past, when we did this um, in Manchester, is incredibly valuable. It brings things together. And I think that's fundamentally what underpins the lesson plans. And of course, one other side benefit is that for those of us who are going to facilitate these sessions, it does also introduce to them resources that they may not have seen before and encourages them to take that. So it's CPD for us as facilitators as well. And you'll be able to go off and listen to podcasts, read blog posts that perhaps you weren't aware of. And if there are other sites that we don't mention or you think would be useful, please just get in touch and we will add those articles in. If you've seen a blog post or listened to a podcast that you think would be excellent for a lesson plan, just let us know and we will add all of those in. This is the beginning of what I hope will be a really useful project. We hope in the end that we'll be able to cover as much of the curriculum as we possibly can. And we hope that this will open up the world of FOMED to more people so that all of those resources that are being produced around the world will be more utilised, listened to, and in the end, help with teaching and also really, well, help with patient care, which is what it's all about. (laughs) 